Gather around, everyone. It's Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve. The big day is almost here. Friends and loved ones are starting to gather and prepare, ready to add a new chapter to their Christmas story and to reminisce about Christmas's past. And today, so are we as the Christmas Past family. It's another episode all about you, about sharing your stories and memories, your traditions and love of our favorite holiday. I love these family gatherings of ours. I love hearing about all the different ways that Christmas can be special, about how the shared cultural experience of ours can be unique and personal in so many ways. When I was growing up as one of five siblings, on Christmas Eve, we'd pile into the Chevy Caprice Classic station wagon and drive across town to my grandparents' house, where all my aunts and uncles, my mom was one of six, and cousins would pack into my grandparents' tiny little house with a cozy fire. We'd sing carols and eat and play and laugh. It's the kind of scene that plays out in countless houses and countless families. There was nothing remarkable about it, and yet it was remarkable in almost every way. A large family cozy gathering on Christmas Eve. Well, my grandparents aren't here anymore, and I'm not a kid anymore. That experience lives only as a memory now, but it's one of my fondest. I think Marv in England can relate to what I'm talking about. A lovely memory of Christmas that I have was when I was really young. My grandma on my mother's side and granddad, they uh, would put on an incredible buffet. There were cousins and uncles and aunties and, and then even second cousins and other relatives. It was amazing to think that there were so many members of the family all together in this little house. It was just a lovely memory of the whole family, this enormous family being together, laughing and enjoying each other's company. It's just one of the greatest memories that I have of Christmas. Hey, Marv is the host of Pods Like Us, a podcast about podcasts. Check the show notes for a link. The great thing about large family gatherings is that they're already special just for being what they are. Just coming together is enough. But of course, every family has its own traditions and activities that make them distinctive, like this one from Angela in Pennsylvania. On Christmas Eve, our family would gather at my Nana's house, and she would have been cooking a big Italian feast all day, and then we would go to Mass. After church, we would gather at her house and enjoy all that delicious food. And usually on Saturdays after mass, we would play board games together. But on Christmas Eve, we would have to sit in the family room with my dad and uncle while my mom and my aunt and my nana mysteriously disappeared. We would wait in anticipation, knowing that the magic was going to happen and Santa was gonna come. And eventually we would hear a hearty ho, 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 and jingle bells. We would run into the big living room. It was only used for special occasions where the Christmas tree was. And the whole room would be filled with beautiful presents. The fireplace would be mussed up just a bit to show that Santa Claus had been there. And we would open all of our wonderful gifts. We always received the best gifts at Nana's house and have Bing Crosby on the record player. And my sister and I still hold the magic and the true spirit of Christmas in our hearts. I don't know how they kept the kids out of the room while they did the setup. That would have been impossible for my family. Well, large family gatherings are great, but that doesn't mean small ones are not. 
Seems like every day has been a small Christmas family gathering all season long here at Christmas Past Headquarters. I'll tell you all about it in an upcoming episode. But for now, let's let Gerald in Michigan tell us about his. Greetings, Christmas Past Podcast family. This is Gerald from Marshall, Michigan. I want to share with you guys a very simple tradition that we have here in our family. I am from Philadelphia uh, originally, and I moved to Michigan in the late 90s. And since then, I've met my husband, we've gotten married and adopted our son, and we started our own family traditions. And what makes it really special for me is seeing the comfort that comes out of this time of year. Leading up to the big event, we are decorating the house and the house is always smelling like cookies and cakes and pies. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful uh, celebration of the season. But what makes it really, really unique and special for us is after we've done all the baking and we've decorated the house, it's those quiet moments when we come together as a family, cuddled up on the couch with our dog right next to us in the fireplace going, and I could not ask for anything more wonderful than that calming, quiet time that we get to spend together as a family. So wishing you all a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and blessings to you all. Is snuggling on the sofa a Christmas tradition? Well, I say it is. Snuggling is the best, but I say Christmas snuggling is the best best, especially if you're wearing your Christmas pajamas. Now, I mentioned before that I grew up as one of five kids. Every year, my mom put out a homemade advent calendar. For each day of the countdown, there was a common Christmas item, like an angel, a candle, or a snowman, that my mom had made out of felt. They were stuck onto a calendar grid, and above the grid was a large felt Christmas tree. Every day, we'd move one item from the grid onto the tree. We'd take turns being the one to do the honors. It's one of my favorite and most vivid childhood Christmas memories. And Advent calendars also hold a special place for Lori in San Francisco. Our Christmas tradition has become one of my sort of creative ideas is Advent calendars, Christmas countdown calendars. Uh, So far, we have five, and I'm afraid counting, given my imagination. I've loved creating specific calendars, one for Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, another for a very uh, favorite sassy author of ours who recounts a Christmas story working um, in Santa Land. And we also have, of course, The Christmas Story. And we have a couple of others which really focus on our reasons to be thankful and grateful as we hang little tiny paper ornaments up on a special tree. And uh, my daughter is now a young adult, and she has uh, reluctantly agreed every year when we begin, and she'll choose to read uh, what she wants to. Usually Dickens wins. But I think as the days go on and we get closer to Christmas, uh, we, we all feel a sense of delight every time we check in with each little calendar and each story. I hope everyone else is enjoying their Christmas countdowns and hopefully we'll all have a wonderful season and a terrific new year. Have you ever spent Christmas away from your normal traditions? I have. My wife and I spent Christmas in the Bahamas about 15 years ago. We rode horses on the beach on Christmas morning. 
You know, oftentimes a Christmas outside of your norm presents new opportunities to connect with others and share the warmth and spirit of the season in unexpected ways. That's what happened with Zach in South Dakota one year. One of my favorite Christmas memories actually took place during my first semester of college. I didn't really have any Christmas plans that year and for a variety of circumstances, not on uh, talking terms with my family. My college roommate Jake asked me a few weeks before the term ended what I was doing for Christmas and I explained my predicament. Immediately, he invited me to come home to his family's farm for Christmas and was so sure that his parents would say yes to the invitation. They did say yes, which was such a kind gesture. We take our final exams and we pack up and we head down to his house. And as soon as I got there, I felt so welcomed. The house was so warm and inviting with all of the different Christmas decorations. But the absolute most shocking but equally wonderful part of all of this to me was that on Christmas morning, there was a bundle of wrapped gifts sitting under the tree with my name on them, including a stocking full of candy and lottery tickets, all from these people that I barely knew or spent much time with. The time, the money, and the thought that went into those gifts and my stay is something that I will never forget about the Christmas of 2012. I will always be thankful to Jake and his family for showing me a bit of Christmas kindness. Well, what about the inverse? When the family is together and the routine is routine, but Christmas is out of reach. Like if everyone's working on Christmas. It's common in a lot of families, like with Barbara in Belgium. My family owns a small restaurant in rural Germany, and my parents never really took a vacation, also not on Christmas. The restaurant normally stayed open on holidays like Easter and Christmas. Many families wanted to celebrate this special day, but without the hassle of spending hours and hours in the kitchen. That meant for our family, Christmas was just a usual business day, even busier than otherwise. But since most people don't want to work at Christmas, my parents always had difficulties finding staff for the holidays. I still remember one Christmas Eve when I was about 10 years old, and my dad was still standing in the kitchen even after midnight. Um, This is where the rest of my family, my aunt, uncle and grandma, they always supported my parents to help out at the restaurant on Christmas Day. That means that they themselves didn't have a quiet and cozy Christmas. Uh, But yeah, at least we could all be um, one family and enjoy the last late hours of December 25th after all the clients left the restaurant with their own little Christmas celebration. My grandma was especially keen on holding these small Christmas sessions, even after we were all very tired. She loved the holidays and was always kind of the bearer of the Christmas spirit in our family. But then last year, we had a very different Christmas because of COVID-19. The restaurant had to remain closed throughout most of 2020. And also on Christmas, we could not celebrate as one family altogether. Even though my parents got to spend the first Christmas um, as a free day of work in over 30 years, they actually rather wished that they could hustle in the kitchen and rush from table to table, but with all of us around, of course. Um, As for me, being 27 years now and living in Belgium, it was my first ever Christmas that I did not spend with my family in Germany, um, also not working. And even though I always wished I could have a normal Christmas without having to work, I look back with happiness on all the Christmases in the past where we worked in the restaurant together as a family. You know, another big part of my childhood Christmases involves the First United Methodist Church in Stoughton, Massachusetts. My grandmother went to it and she was very active there. 
and I remember attending holiday craft fairs, pageants, and other community events. There was a large event room with a stage and a basketball hoop, and to this day I can't smell floor wax without being brought back instantly to that place. And I'll always remember the Christmas music I heard on the organ and the choir for the Christmas pageants. These are the kinds of memories that are etched forever on my heart, and I think Tara in Illinois can relate. My name is Tara Ortiz. I live in Naperville, Illinois, but I spent my childhood in Willow Glen. My best Christmas memory happened in 1986 at a holiday craft fair inside of Stanford University. I was seven years old at the time, and my mom was a vendor at the craft show, and my dad and I were there to help her set up and break down her booth, as we usually did. At some point, my dad and I decided to take a lunch break in the university's giant concourse area. And um, when we did, a local Bay Area musician named Steven Pissero was there in the center of this giant concourse performing an acoustic set of his Christmas album called Christmas for Classical Guitar. Um, he played a bunch of songs like Green Sleeves and um, Ave Maria and Deck the Halls and his playing was just so beautiful and so masterful. And the sound of his guitar echoed off the walls and off the vaulted ceiling. And I just remember it being a very visceral experience, just really magical for me as a child. And it's really one of the best memories of my whole life. And at the end of the show, my dad ended up buying his album on cassette tape. And from that year on, this album became a staple in my family's Christmas music collection and the one to kick off just about every Christmas season every year as soon as Thanksgiving dinner was done. Christmas music is just a really important part of the holidays for me, and so I've brought this album into my own family's Christmas tradition. And I listen with my husband and my three boys every year when we decorate our tree. Um, I just want to say thank you, Brian, for making this wonderful podcast and for letting us share all our Christmas memories. Shout out to wonderful Willow Glen. It's a very peaceful and charming neighborhood that really gets into the Christmas spirit. And in our second year in our new home, and for our second Christmas with baby Dashiell on the scene, we needed to get a smaller tree that we could keep behind a baby gate. One of these days we'll get a bigger one, and we'll introduce Dash to that one-of-a-kind experience of picking out and even cutting down a perfect live Christmas tree. And when we do, we'll take heed of this cautionary tale from Lauren in Australia. Hi Brian, my name is Lauren. I live in Adelaide, Australia, but I'm originally from Clearwater, Florida. Um, when I was a kid, we would get a real Christmas tree every year. However, one year we had a bit of an incident and as we were driving home with our fresh new green Christmas tree on top of the minivan, um, we were traveling down a major road in Clearwater called US 19, which I'm sure some of your listeners may know is quite a busy, semi-highway type road that runs all throughout Clearwater and St. Petersburg and um, the Christmas tree flew off of the back of the car and into oncoming traffic. Mom and dad quickly pulled over and scrambled along the highway to reattach the tree to the top and I think they might have even just ended up shoving it into the minivan with us kids. But as a preteen I was quite uh, mortified to be sitting there watching such a spectacle and being a part of it. But now we look back and we have a great laugh. Speaking of Christmas trees, sometimes they fall over. I remember one night in the 1980s, I was out somewhere with my family, and when we came home, we found that the Christmas tree had fallen over. 
I'm not sure what happened, but we got things back to normal in fairly short order. Speaking of falling trees, let's join Julie in Alaska for a Christmas memory involving that very thing. The Christmas of 2012, our daughters were ages two and three. And because that year we would not be spending Christmas at home, we just put up a smaller tree, about five feet tall and skinny, which meant it was tippy. That year, our curious two-year-old couldn't leave the tree alone, and she knocked it clean over several times. Each time, we dramatically emphasized the word, uh-oh, hoping that she would realize it was not a good thing to have the Christmas tree fall down. That year, we went to Oregon to my husband's parents' house for Christmas. They lived right, they lived right next to a Christmas tree farm. So that year, we got to go meander through the trees until we found the best one. When we finally did and were about to cut it down, Grandpa turned to his granddaughters and asked, what do you say when a tree falls down? You could see the wheels turning inside their cute little heads, and a few seconds later, the two-year-old said very dramatically, Uh-oh! All the adults started laughing, which I'm sure just bewildered the girls. We then had the opportunity to teach them that when a tree gets cut down outside, you say, Timber! May your holidays be filled with laughter, and may, may joyful memories be made. Well, putting up the Christmas tree is typically what starts the Christmas season, and eating a traditional Christmas dinner is what caps it off. And almost everyone goes through that Christmas rite of passage where, for the first time in their lives, they're the one preparing that Christmas dinner. And it's nerve-wracking. Personally, I'm a perfectly adequate cook, but not an especially good one. I'd feel somewhat out of my depths preparing a full Christmas dinner. And in that way, I'd be a bit like Rob in the UK. Hello, Brian, and hello to everyone listening. This is Rob in not-so-sunny Leicester, United Kingdom. I've been listening to the podcast for a couple of years now, and I thought I'd make my own little contribution. I hope you enjoy my Christmas memory, a very recent one, of Christmas 2020. So, due to the pandemic, my partner and I had decided we would stay at home for Christmas. It was sad that we wouldn't see our family or friends this year at Christmas itself, but staying at home did present a new opportunity. Well, new for me at least. You see, I've always visited family on Christmas Day, meaning I've always had Christmas dinner cooked for me by someone else. But staying at home in 2020 gave me the perfect chance to get in the kitchen and have a go at it. The traditional British Christmas dinner, which is not too dissimilar from the American Thanksgiving dinner, consists of a large turkey, various stuffings, a huge assortment of vegetables, gravy and, of course, pigs in blankets. It was incredibly exciting to be let loose creating our Christmas dinner. I looked up recipes online from the likes of Jamie Oliver and Gordon Ramsay, planned in advance each component I'd be serving, and made sure every ingredient was ready to be prepped by Christmas Eve. Well, I'm happy to say the dinner was delicious. Turkey seasoned with butter, parsley, lemon juice and garlic. The most succulent turkey I've ever eaten, though I say so myself. Brussels sprouts sautéed with sausage meat, sage, butter, onion and apple. We had potatoes roasted in goose fat, homemade stuffing, and a whole assortment of things that would take me all day to list in its entirety. We drank a toast, pulled Christmas crackers, laughed, and at the end lit the pudding on fire before eating it, as is customary. Overall, Christmas 2020 was a great day for me, my girlfriend Natalie, and our little cat Jojo, in spite of the circumstances. We enjoyed relaxing at home, we enjoyed the food, although my girlfriend did say the turkey tasted too lemony. I vehemently disagreed. 
Well, everyone, as it happens with every Christmas family gathering, someone's got to be the first to say goodnight and start the process of bringing things to a close. So let me say thank you to Marv, Angela, Gerald, Lori, Zach, Barbara, Tara, Lauren, Julie, and Rob for sharing their Christmas memories and spirit with the rest of us. It's goodbye for now, but there's still more Christmas cheer on tap. Join me again on Christmas Eve for more of your memories and many of mine as we gather together for the final countdown to the big day. And of course, join me again on Christmas Day for our sixth annual Christmas Year in Review. Thank you for being here today. Make sure you're taking time for you in these final days of the season. And until next time, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. Let's stay connected on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and join our private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet. And hey, if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover this show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card is my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details. You can write me at christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. And until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright. Bright.